This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, Alice Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play. That is that. What a good shot. Oh, what a good goal. Far post for Shearer. Goal. McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection. And a goal. Comes to Mitchell. It's another goal. Incredible. Hobble. Smartass intro here as Town succumb to a playoff penalty shootout loss at Port Vale on a frustrating night in Burslem. The promotion dream is over for another season, but the love and pride is stronger than ever. And here to discuss this graveyard shift of a pod is Joe. Hello, Joe. Oh, hello, Rich, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Uh, I always bring you out for the uh, the dark stuff. <laughs> yes, you do. I do seem to get a tendency for these things. And I, I just had that feeling last night as the game was, was turning this way that we'd end up in the post-mortem. Um, before we get going on Swindon matters, given the nature of this episode, it's probably best that we say hello to the Port Vale fans that are inevitably listening <laughs> to this episode. <laughs> I imagine when I look at the stats, I'll see a lot of stoke. Yes, I think we're going to have a, um, a a big surge on the on the map. And um, yeah, hats off to you all and um, maybe see some of your Alton Towers in the summer. My cousin's working the rides there, so uh, you know, say hello. He's a Newport fan, but don't worry about that. I think maybe the term hats off to you all might be a stretch, but we'll get to that a little bit later. So for all those Vale fans listening, a little bit of context. 11 months ago, almost 11 months ago, and about 131 episodes ago, we recorded an emergency pod together, didn't we, Joe? Um, I'd received 
a message stating that Swindon Town staff hadn't been paid that month. And a couple of uh, messages later, I was able to verify this. And it turned out it was an issue across the Swindon Town Football Club workforce. Looking back, I think we took a bit of a gamble by podding it because there was a lot of fear around that time. But I'd formed quite a nice little relationship with some of the guys behind the scenes and had complete solidarity for them. But I have to say it was the least fun that I've ever had podcasting, you know, doing that episode. Sorry, Joe, but that that's that's the fact. There was a lot of worry, confusion, frustration, and I don't enjoy thinking back to those conversations. And 11 months on, we're sat here again, reflecting on a sad conclusion to what has been the most unexpectedly enjoyable campaign I could have ever imagined, where the positives outweigh the negatives by some distance. Yeah, that was, it was, it was a hard journey to get through that reveal. I mean, this was only the second pod that I'd done with you. The one before that, we'd done a nice uh, friendly roundup and fixture preview. There's some nice stories in the local media about potential signings and all these things. And you dropped the dropped the bomb on me that um, manager and assistant are probably gone and all those six players, they're not happening. And then I had to talk about trips to Barrow away. And then leading on from that, we, we talk about a dire situation where, because there's still, I mean, thinking about last night and thinking about how it could have gone and if, you know, if, things had gone slightly a different way and we, you know, we're looking at a Wembley final and, you know, the impossible dream and all those kind of things. Whatever was going to happen last night or at the end of the month was not going to be the fairy tale ending because that story of Swindletown and that story of uh, how we got into that predicament in 11 months' time is still sort of looming away like a little cloud in the background. But if you contrast that to that sort of feeling of getting through that pod and that you go through these different like, emotions and feelings as a football fan and that kind of that sort of deep deep knot that a night like last night provides is so different to that that mental exhaustion and worry that i think pretty much all the fan base were going through last year of just hearing you're hearing you know in a in a legal context that the current custodian is saying i can handle it and i can run this club and okay fine well we'll do whatever is going on until this hearing goes ahead and then you're hearing people just aren't being paid and everything's sort of shutting up shop um yeah contrast to that i would take this feeling today which is pretty rotten uh over that any day yeah and uh, that was the context for those who don't follow swindon to to tell you where where we're at so in terms of this episode we really are going to focus on the game and the and the aftermath and we'll do a season review in the coming days and then the retains list episode will come out and then we'll have a summer series and then we'll do it all over again um, from July August and um, I really look forward to doing it as I always do Swindon Town lined up exactly how we expected it and I suppose given that, that this has been our solid 11 now for quite some time, we were bound to run out of puff eventually. I'm sure Port Vale will say that they nullified us and contained us, but it was a very leggy, tired Swindon town on Thursday night, wasn't it? Yeah, it looked like we're really showing the... Because we would acknowledge we've been on an incredible run to to get here and uh, you know, a nice string of successive wins but 
I would say even halfway through on Saturday, that that kind of mental and physical fatigue was already starting to show. I think that's how we sort of capitulated to let them uh, get what get a consolation and get back into the tie. Uh, but you could ju- you could see that they were looking quite drained quite early on. And on the contrast to that, I mean. Port Vale definitely must have had a good glug of the Space Jam juice because they came out of the blocks. They looked, they looked unstoppable. They looked always like a team for that first 15 minutes that you could put, you could put half the Prem in front of them. They would have been terrified by the sheer effort they had to get that, to get that opener within that 10 minutes. And I think I was surprised because at that point I thought, well, we're in for a night of it here. Never mind about extra time or penalties. You know, they're going to get three, four, and we'll be scratching our heads I think the first 10 minutes goal included went exactly how I expected it to go I mean I think I even in my predictions I said that Port Vale will score early on maybe the manner of how the goal was scored wasn't right but I I knew that Port Vale would go in quickly I mean they should have been one up before the goal was scored a hell of a miss not that it matters anymore uh, by Wilson but I, I completely expected that. And I've got to be honest, I too, when that when that first 10 minutes was playing out and the immediate minutes that followed, it, it felt like it was going to be a long night for Swindon. It turned out that was going to be the case, but in literal terms, as opposed to getting smashed because we did get back into the game later. Yeah, because I think I had bought in totally to your, you had the discussion with Steve from uh, Ale and Vale pod, where you had kind of called that we would concede early and then we'd be in for a night of it and it would sort of end in a stalemate. And I, I'm i curious to know, you know, were you sort of calm in thinking like, ah, yes, this is all sort of unravelling, just as I thought, because I had, I had totally bought into, oh, yeah, because Rich said this would happen and, yeah, maybe he was right. <laughs> I'll take the blame. Yeah. Um, I expected a bit more, um, you know, I, I expected us to have more chances than we actually did. And that was the big difference. So I expected Swindon to be able to score because we score away from home usually, don't we? I mean, um, it, it's something that we we have a good knack of doing. So I thought we would take get our chance. And I think the only chance we really had was the Baudry effort, wasn't it? Really, in terms of war, that was, that was the moment, if we want to put it in Ryan Kent in the Europa League final terms. It's <laughs> not quite like the last minute but I think that was the moment where I was like oh that was the chance and frankly our talisman Harry McCurdy just had the ultimate off day for him um, really didn't he? Yeah it felt a little bit similar to I had a kind of feeling and I think that we've talked we've spoken before about you know McCurdy being a um, you know being a confidence player and enjoying like the fans getting behind him and that I'd heard on their pod and I think I'd heard on um, our pod as well on the press, like this sort of feeling of, the, you know, if you give him that ammunition, if you give him that sort of hail of booze every time that he touches, that he will thrive on it. But if we go all the way back to the beginning of the season when we played Port Vale at home um, and a similar situation when we had the Carlisle game, that sort of that kind of like laser focus that we had on Sunday, you know, to prove that you're worth more than they thought you were, uh, just seemed to just seemed to 
go again. It seemed to have that same thing of those early games of where he was so desperate to prove a point that he just lost himself in the game. Yeah, I, I was I was surprised with the Port Vale thing, and I guess they they've taken it personally from the first leg, and there was a bit of a build up, but. Earlier in the season, I swear the feeling was that, well, he didn't play enough for us to give a damn. And then we all knew that Carlisle had their beef with with McCurdy. And because he played so little, I really didn't think that he would make an impact. But because of social media posts and stuff like that, I imagine that heightens that, oh, yeah, I hate him, don't I? Because if Swindon had a player that played so little games, I'm not going to hate. Jaden Mitchell Lawson in three years if he scores against us because he simply didn't play enough for Swindon for me to give a damn, you know, and and that that surprised me. The Carlisle stuff I get, but he really didn't play that much. But, you know, football is tribal. They take exception and, well, their reaction to it post-game was totally unacceptable, which we'll get to. But McCurdy didn't have a great game. I, 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 I'm, I'm loathe to say, actually, that, the players had any stinkers it just it just wasn't happening was it it, it, it was it was a it was a valiant <laughs> for want of a better term effort but some things just weren't meant to be and I'm, I'm just so reluctant to point fingers at anyone about this game at all it just Port Vale were were all right very even to Swindon you know they had they finished one point above us two teams that weren't perfect and very very even we we should have done more in the home game. Don't concede that late goal, and it, you know it's a different story altogether. But Port Vale did a, did their job, and we just didn't quite do ours. And even then, we took it to penalties, and we were one kick away from Wembley. So it's 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 a very very weird feeling post game. I do feel a little bit of the with Deans, maybe not to the full impact, but that's still as you would describe it. That knot, it's very much in there, isn't it? Yeah, and, and you know, to say that about McCurdy is that's that's the only sort of perspective I can think that gives me that gives me that impression of how he can sort of go absent in some game, and, and not necessarily that absent because you know he, he didn't have a terrible game by any means, but the difference between having you know that sort of relaxed and focused pinpoint uh, accuracy like he had on Sunday and having a game like last night where he just couldn't thread his way through just think those sort of things make the difference it does it does have a bit of the the with Dean feel that kind of that kind of cruelty of it all and it brings back those times of that dreadful phrase you know when people say like oh a great game for the neutral and how many times do you watch things like you watch your international tournaments or you watch things like um epic cup final carabao cup finals things that you have you know no impetus in and it's going to penalties and you're thinking hee hee oh great fun oh great can't wait to see this oh we'll be a laugh and someone skies it over the bar when it's happening to you it is unbearable (laughs) yeah and i think i went into extra time and penalties thinking we would lose. Not in that sort of pessimistic, oh, we're all rubbish. I hate them all. Garner's got to go or anything like that. I just felt that the pendulum wasn't swinging (laughs) in our favour. And, well, it proved to be the case. But I'm trying to articulate this in a way that I wasn't fuming. Far from it. I I was happy that we'd stayed in the game. Um, Pride overwhelms heartbreak. In terms of Ghana, I mean, 
tactically, I don't think there was much more we could do with the options that we had. Was Do you think there was scope to make changes earlier? Gladwin was the first to come on with nine minutes to go. O'Brien came on um, into the into extra time and there were no other changes. I don't think... I think when you've got penalties in mind, you want to keep your penalty takers on too, don't you? I, I honestly, I honestly don't think we could have done any more given the size of our squad. No, and I think in some ways we're we're going to deny ourselves because all we can do is, you know, sort of feel out and act on emotion, having gone through the game of yesterday. And the fact that we're not victors means we're not going to necessarily get the the nice deep detailed analysis that we'd like because it was like a game of good contrast the second half where play opened out sort of for both teams uh was quite was quite competitive and quite quite an enjoyable watch if you could switch off that you were you know trying not to be physically sick uh, every time <laughs> that the ball came near um you know great performances again from people like Matthew Bowdry, Reed, Payne um I just can't understand when I'm you know when I'm literally at home i know that some of the guys are you know up there in the stands and you know we're all going through the ringer some great shots by the way some great shots. sky television of our dear connor garrett and james as well i think made it on there as well didn't he oh he was desperate wasn't he when <laughs> when we were when we were messaging connor to say he's all over tv james's initial reply was where am i <laughs> Come on, JB, sort yourself out. But Connor was doing a great job showing all the emotions of a football fan in in several stressed <laughs> expressions. So you know, yeah. But I'm ast- I'm astounded at how somebody like Matthew Baldry could keep cool as a cucumber and pull off you know some of those tackles and pushes forward oh. when I'm going through that. It's it's remarkable. Yeah, I mean, in in, in many things, the podcast sort of close the book on players from time to time. And I think we closed the book on the career of Matthew Baldry and boy, howdy, has he proved us wrong. And, you know, if he, if he'll let me on the, the Baldry hype train, then I'll buy a ticket because real, real leadership from him over the, over that run where we needed to win every game just to get in the playoffs. And we did it an incredible change of fortunes for the guy, both in fitness and form. Brilliant, brilliant to see. Um, and if he wants to put the financial plan into a side for a year, then he's got my blessing if he needs it. Yeah, absolutely. Have another year, Matthew. Just run yourself into the ground. Just just go for it. You've got your, you've got your contingency plan. You've got your qualifications. Pick them up when it's definitely over. I'm not sure. I mean, it's up in the air in terms of, I guess, the... The outcome will maybe be, you know, he can make his own choice from that. And if that's if that's the way to put a cap on it and go out on a high, then it's a great high to go on. But I can't imagine whatever his choice will be for, you know, the summer in September. He can't have he can't have properly finished kicking a ball about, even if it's not a, with us and at our level. Yeah, I, I well, we'll never know. I mean, it's it's what whatever he wants to do. I mean, I think the club will have to accommodate a different approach to him in terms of keeping him functional. So I, I think it will go the way of sort of a, a Ledley King sort of an arrangement where he manages his own fitness and sort of turns up one day a week before match day 
and go, goes from there. I think that's the way to probably manage him. Um, on Instagram, Baudry said, football is cruel sometimes. It hurts. But at the same time, I'm so proud of this group, staff and players. This year was special from six pro players the week before the season started. Not quite sure that's right. To a penalty away from Wembley. Everyone on and off the field worked so hard. Um, and he goes on to say, and this journey was great. A packed county ground and them boys made me love football again, which I think encapsulates it well. Yeah, and I think there is a truism to, if we think about, you know, past squads and that issue of togetherness, it does definitely feel this is a marked delineation from previous years. Yes, we'd think the Wellens um, PPG team had a good cohesion, but, you know, did they really? There were still people who were sort of... You know, on the fringes of that, I think he still had a, you know, sort of bomb squad of people that he didn't really want around. And people like Keshi Anderson, they could re-ingratiate themselves. I thought, you know, maybe that was you know, a credit that, you know, you could find your way back in if you're out. But I don't get the impression, probably because of the, you know, the size. It feels like everybody who's registered as a professional at Swindon Town, whether they're playing or not, has a role and has an expectation of what, they want to do now whether you know whether they're on board with that reality is you know we're going to say goodbye to some people when the uh release and retain list goes on because it's not worked out but same as with every every profession you know people are supposed to have you know their development plan i get that impression that that's the same for everybody and there's not a bomb list and you know go and stay at home or go to whatever and don't worry about well, it you still get paid. well we've had anthony grant and we've had manny idem disappear it might be a minor bomb squad but i think it's just been managed much much better uh yeah i'm not saying that i'm not saying that there was no friction you know within the squads but i'm sure that idem and grant and whoever you know they would have had a plan I, grant is sort of an exception because you know he had come into like you imagine, fulfil a squad role, and then he got capped by Jamaica in his sort of twilight years. So I guess you've got that sort of conflict of, like, on one hand, happy to have a happy to have a contract for the season and come and train, but only you've got a point to prove, haven't you, if you're getting international caps. So I think that there was a conflict, and we had that early part where you know, he was playing alongside Reed, and as Reed became firmly established, there was there was really no need for him and how he played but I do get the impression that you know Garner is a a fair and cohesive manager who tries to give everybody a plan at least we've seen that this year with things like the loan system being used and you know players who aren't getting the minutes uh you know utilizing those options to get people game time and when he talks about you know training you know extra sessions for players who aren't in that first 11 as well to make sure that they're all match fit um even things like the medical care that people have had this year that's sort of very thorough um management of injuries because we've got a squad that you know has been particularly injury prone and we've got many of those players who've had issues uh through to the last game after having two extra games in the playoffs um but i do think that cohesive unit is is different to things like the decanio promotion squad is different to uh you know, the Wellens era. There is more of a collectiveness there. And it, you can feel in that shootout when they're 
you know, arm in arm and everybody on the bench is arm in arm as well. I don't know, it, it does look and feel like a different prospect to me. Okay, yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, is there anything about the game we need to discuss? I mean, obviously there was a, a melee before extra time where Daryl Clark lost his head. He was out of the game for several months and one would maybe think that was the actions of somebody who probably isn't necessarily ready to be back on the touchline for whatever reason, but he apologised post-game pretty much said he lost his head too, but a real remarkable moment. And the fact that Dion Comrie got booked for it was insane. I, I couldn't understand. Like I thought, well, maybe there's something I missed because it seemed to happen off the, um, you know, watching on the Sky feed, it seemed to happen off and then you're seeing the the replays of that and just this almighty scuffle of everybody pouring in off the, you know, off the bench and players on the field, everyone all sort of coming together and, there's even people in like suits and lanyards and stewards <laughs> and all these sorts of people going, you're just thinking, well, what has actually happened here? And it seems like, you know, Clark has gone to sort of like thrust the ball into Conroy's chest and he's not retaliated. Or he's made it, maybe he's made a bit of a meal of it, like sort of gone down but as ultimately, if he's... Ultimately, though, Clark is trying to prevent the ball boy from giving the ball back to Swindon, isn't he? That 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 is ultimately where it all starts. Yeah. And it just seems to escalate into <laughs> into silliness, really. And I think the crazy thing about it is the fact that Clark is so far away from the ball boy that it's so unnatural. It's a bit like when Coverlam was sent off for kicking McCurdy. It was like <laughs> it was just there was so much distance. It, it it just looked stupid. And Clark went out of his way. And usually, when people run up to someone like that, it's to hurry the game along. But he's sort yeah. of like denying the ball boy from progressing. That poor kid must have been thinking, what on earth is going on? And he, he, he looked pretty foolish. Not that it really matters in the grand scheme of things. But though it was, it was a, it's like one of those boxing matches where you want it to be like fireworks, but it was a lot of sort of padding gloves and hugging each other. It was, it was two tired teams, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's usually the sort of thing that you would enjoy. And like we say, you know that Daryl Clark had compassionate leave, and you know he's he's come back into it. And it, it must be must be difficult to sort of get your you know get your game head on, especially in such a, a high pressure situation like that. So we're all human. I think I could you know forgive him losing his head a little bit, but it did feel a little by, a bit like organically and not by design that did seem a bit like where the worm had turned there i'm thinking it's a not as much of a standout moment but what we're later later learning like in the um instagram stories lots of lots of sarcastic blues and claps for everything that mccurdy does including winning corners which i don't get because i thought that is actually a good thing for a player to do and mccurdy is sort of shrugging his shoulders and He's talking back at the Vale fans, but he's not—he's not giving it the the big one as he seemed to do to a lot of um, a lot of opposing fans this time. And he's he picked something up off the floor, and it's like uh, for one minute I thought like he had—I don't know if he's a religious man. It like looked like a a St Christopher bracelet or something like that. It looked like a bracelet clasp or something like that. I didn't know. I thought. I can't imagine why he would wear something like that on the pitch or if that's broken. And then Connor Hall, who was the chap who got him by the scruff on Sunday towards the end of the first half. And I thought McCurdy was borderline assaulted by him, quite frankly, because he had him properly by the scruff and was McCurdy was pleading his eyes for, you know, wide like saucers, you know, not to be 
punched or flawed or whatever. But he is almost, it almost looks like he is backing up McCurdy and remonstrating the fans. And it's evident that, you know, they're starting to throw things at him. And this is maybe where that sort of uh, uneasy element starts to starts to turn and well, it was already there pre-game and you know we'll, we'll let, let's let's do the post-match you know after we do the penalty shootout and the penalty shootout oh it, it looked like it was going to go our way so Wilson scores his Payne scores his and then and Port Vale lose missed two in a row Warrell and Edmondson and you kind of think once Gladwin scores you think this is it it's happening and you know you've got that advantage in McCurdy much to the narrative, it was always going to happen. When he stepped up, I, I got to be honest, I thought he was going to miss because, you know, football gods, they hate me and they they seem to like Paul Bale. But it was still in our hands. Charles Lee scores, Reed puts his away, of course, and then Pet puts his away and that's five. And Davison steps up. Davison, if he scores, Swindon are at Wembley. It really is as simple as that. Yeah. Can I can I can I defend Josh Josh Davidson on this pod, please? Because I feel like he gets I feel like he gets a lot of stick for essentially not being Tyree Simpson. Who can we just turn back the clock and you can go back and listen to listeners' contributions from previous in the season? People didn't say he was very good either until, of course, he got recalled, and then of course he was the best thing since sliced bread. Now we all rated him as panelists, but people used to get on. Simpsons back as well. I saw apples and oranges, and I'm I'm not here to say like, oh, I definitely want him back next season or all this stuff. Or I think he's been, you know, exemplary. But his work ethic, he's worked so hard to sort of maintain that, you know, sort of maintain that possession when the balls are, you know, coming up high and over the head, and he's the only person sort of up there. He might not have like the best close control in the world, but I don't think you can fault his effort and. I don't think his penalty looked that bad. And if the keeper's gone the other way, then well, you could say that about every penalty, couldn't you? But yeah, I one of those. Think, I even think the way they, they, I even think the way they, um, they set the penalty takers up was perfect. You know, you've had your your number one penalty taker take the first, get get the ball rolling, and Davison is our reserve, isn't he? So you know, and Gladwin too. So it, it was so logical. Like those five was a perfect selection. McCurdy. Top scorer, Reed scored the, in the last penalty shootout we had in in lesser stakes um, against Cambridge. Gladwin knows how to take a penalty. He was um, our main person um, when Payne wasn't fit early in the season and in previous spells at the club. And Davison filled in when Payne wasn't around near to the end of the season. So it was actually a perfect five in terms of options. They would have been very, very confident going into that. And it was so, so close. And then I'm always forgiving of the sudden death uh, penalty takers because they're not in the the five. And we got down to like the third sudden death taker. And when you get to that, it really is more of a, it's, it's a, it's a game of psyching each other out. And Iandolo, who has just had such a perfect season for Swindon, for him to be the unlucky person to have that stat, having what he did on the night and over the season is so, so cruel. And I really do think it's going to make him better um, going forward. I don't think this is going to, you know, impact him in the slightest. I think he's going to come back better and stronger and more focused. I agree. And do you know, in a, in a, in a weird, 
it might sound like a perverse thing to say, but I was glad in a way that it was him because especially after the season he's had and that he's been with us for seven years and we've seen him grow and grow and grow and move all around the field into different positions and finding finding what we thought was his sweet spot, then moving all the way back to left back anyway out of out of necessity. He's the one that really, I mean, you've got it straight away. He's one of the only players who could do that, who could miss, and everyone has got the, the proverbial arms around him. And, you know, he's... He's the he's the player that you know fans want to you know protect and love and cherish and nourish and I think that's I think that will only only add to you know his impressive growth already. It's it's he's always had that potential in previous years. You know every time that you know he's made his sort of you know little cameo runs and then they've been stilted by injury. Like well this you know this guy could be could be a player. He's getting momentum and then that momentum stops. This year you know you talk about breakthrough performances and we'll get on those sorts of things when you come to do like the season reviews but in terms of not have that many contracted players cross through from last season to this season certainly not had players you know on their seventh season who've made the sort of strides that he has if there was going to be a candidate to you know to miss less love bomb Iandolo or Ian Dolo as the comms call as they all say (laughs) as they all say um, it'll, it'll, I'm, I'm sure he, he deals with it <laughs> because it's every time we're on TV and it doesn't take much to ask, does it? I mean, that we have representatives right around these commentators. They can easily just ask. But anyway, so there we go. Um, Swindon Town lose 6-5 on penalties. Congratulations to Port Vale. I'd say good luck to them at Wembley. I mean, we've had Steve on the pod the last week and he's been lovely balanced and are more than sure the majority of their fans feel the same I can't root for them though after what happened at full time I suppose once the penalties were completed these post-match events occurred what a week where a Nottingham Forest fan conducted an unprovoked assault on Sheffield United's Billy Sharp and got sentenced within days of the event this is all in the same week as Swindon losing at Port Vale and this was Port Vale's moment to really enjoy. And I just don't get it, Joe. I don't, and I know like every football club has these supporters, but if Swindon had just won in that fashion, the last thing I would be thinking about is Port Vale players and fans. I would be just soaking up the moment that doesn't happen too often. Swindon, we're, we're seasoned pros when it comes to the playoffs. Port Vale are not. They've not been there since 1993. And looking at the pitch, I mean, Connor shared a picture with us that he took from behind the goal. And you would think they were on stage performing a gig. There's just so many that decide they want to go and goad the away end. And, and this is just such a thick mentality that people have. And every single club has them. This cartoonish culture that exists they've always been here and they'll always be here but it cannot be encouraged you cannot assault someone and blindly support those actions because they started it because they shushed us or they were rubbish for us when they played for us or they had the audacity to enjoy their job it was really i mean and this is national news now it's not like swindon fans festering in their own sort of misery because we lost 
This is national news. This happened in a week where someone has been sentenced for doing it, and yet they went there and did it. How thick can you be? I don't even know where to begin. And, you know, it's 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 sad to think, I mean, Port Vale, they've sort of, they've sort of been a parallel team for us for years and years and years. All the time that I've remembered, when we've pretty much been in the same leagues, even back in the days you know, where we were all in the old Div 1 and they were managing to finish above their bigger city rivals. We've always seemed to sort of have these parallels of following each other up and down the leagues, but they've... I always think of them as being a bit like a ghost team. You never have to see them necessarily have like the big title wins. They're your, you know, your second and third automatics floating between leagues one and two. And then they're the ones that drop down and go up and sort of bounce between those two. We heard from Steve very eloquently, you know, we've had very sort of parallels in terms of things like ownerships and things like that, but they haven't had uh, where we might count ourselves lucky to have like big, playoff moments or Wembley finals or all those sorts of things. Those sort of occasions have been few or far between. And last night should have been, and I hope for the majority, it should have been a, you know, a memorable night of putting, you know, Port Vale on the map. We should, they should be enjoying, you know, watching Ellis Handlow miss his penalty on Sky Sports News and everybody having a, you know, a celebration on the pitch. It's such a far cry, you know, from, your usual promotion celebration seasons where, you know, everybody gets around the players and gives them a hug, or maybe they want to take a cheeky bit of turf and pop it in their coat pocket. This is completely, it's so different. And this is this idea of, like you say, you see this, this scene yesterday in the, um, or the day before yesterday uh, in the Forest um, Sheffield United game, which I think, you know, there was sort of pockets of that. But for the most part was, you know, all good natured and let's celebrate with our players. And you just think, well, wouldn't it be great to have a bit of that? Well, why? This is a sort of a strange endemic thing that's going on in... I mean, you know, I don't know about you. I do have some ideas, certainly in terms of, you know, what sort of, um, you know, cultural habits are maybe more uh, ingrained into following your team on a Saturday these days. And I know that, the sort of talk of how to curb that sort of thing. I'm not sure necessarily if that is the the answer or the solution. We had, you know, grim scenes of what should have been you know, an immensely memorable time uh the Euros last year, didn't we? Where and you just would think an event that's as big as that when you're supposed to have limited capacity just couldn't happen. You couldn't have somebody, you know, kick Chelsea off the field at the FA Cup final. And now it just makes you think well, I'm not so sure. And I think that the only real way, at the risk of sounding like a hand ringer, and I think it's sad to deny, in some ways, you know, that good-natured, um, the Jimmy Glass moment or whatever of the pitch invasion. Um, only the sort of stiff penalties. I don't think saying things like closed doors is going to be the answer. There has to be a sort of a you know, sort of playing remuneration. I'm thinking, what are you, points deductions? No, I mean, it's not for us to, to suggest otherwise, but my but issue fun is... it's oh, Absolutely. Um, and I, I don't want, you know, us to drift down the potential road of suggesting that Port Vale should, <laughs> should be kicked out of the, the playoffs or anything like that, which I know you weren't suggesting. But I think the the, the issue here is is bigger than Port Vale. It's bigger than Swindon Town. Because, frankly... 
You know, it starts with what we saw with England last summer and then, you know, these little pockets of fans. Most people are there just hugging their mates, just going, we're going to Wembley, we're going to Wembley. But all it takes is just one fan with a weapon who has been wound up by Harry McCurdy because of a few social media posts and him putting his finger to his lips when he scores to do something far worse than hit somebody. It's going to get to a point where players might be in danger and there will be people listening going, oh, what nonsense. It's just lads having booze and just getting a little bit carried away. Who's to say it's not going to get worse than that? You know, why should a player, why should a footballer or a fan, in fact, you know, think that they need to get off the pitch ASAP because they'll get they'll get punches thrown or worse because they're wearing the other shirt that's playing that day. And it just, it just to me, it just showed that it was tokenism from Port Vale who spent a lot of time on social media in the build-up, you know, putting their statements out, talking about going on the pitch. And it just feels like it was directed at Swindon because nothing was done to really adequately support those players or the fans, you know, some fans just saw it had come in straight away and left straight away. Some had to stay there. You know, we've seen the stories of kids that had to go on the pitch to be ushered out. You know, things getting thrown because you've won a penalty shootout in a semi-final. It, it doesn't, it doesn't equate to violence to me, for me. I mean, again, this is, this is bigger than the two clubs that played last night and it's going to go serious review and Port Vale, their big day is going to be ruined by fines and it's going to be ruined by some of their season ticket holders getting banned. And it just seems so, so stupid to me. Yeah. And it's disappointing to see, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, on TV, I can see this strong police presence. There was a big police presence on Sunday, um, at our game. I saw a few Vale fans in, in town. Um, directed them to the uh, Cornish Bakery's pasty shop and Weatherspoons and things like that, all very good-natured. And, yeah, for the most part, it is that. But it's disappointing as well to read, um, you know, people's anecdotes of people who did go to the game and, you know, asking questions of the police, you know, who made, uh, you know, made statements during the day. And the response to them is to say that it's just sour grapes. I find that astonishing. Yeah, it's not it's not sour grapes from my front. Honestly, you know, we lost a penalty shootout. We've we've lost in more heartbreaking fashion, and we've been we were goaded by Brighton fans, but they certainly didn't put our players at risk or go for them. Mind you, I wouldn't go against Matty Hayward in two thousand and four. That's for sure. But um, it's just a, it's just a really rotten way to end the season. It's it's rotten for us because we've lost and then watched our players get get in 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 scuffles with with the the opposition fans you know goading bit doesn't offend me in the slightest you know as long as as long as it's it's nothing more than that and it, it's just it's just a real shame that you know on our final episode review of the season that we're we're, we're talking about violence on the pitch against our players and you know that's that's a tough one for me I, I'm glad I saved man of the match until after this yeah, it would be nice to uh, nice to end on a on a high. You know, it's it was newsworthy to see that you know there's listening to Garner's post match and he's claiming that you know even like his staff getting abused. You're hearing about you know people getting hit. I think Egbo got 
punched and had a you know cut on his nose that he'd oh but it wasn't it wasn't that bad as i've seen the replies you know the fact that you know egbo did sort of put his image of his um of his scrape on social media and the, and the reply is oh it's not that bad you know, he still had it. He, he suffered it. It happened. And it's interesting, like in parallels as well, to see this uh, to see this Vieira story as well is happening almost simultaneously at the same time. And I think if we've given a context to that of now, you know, where the tabloids might have had a bit of a, you know, a bit of a field day digging around and asking, you know, was it right? Was it wrong? I think that kind of vindicates, you know, his reaction really. If you've seen. Parallel scenes at a, you know, another professional game that are like that, and there was quite a, I think it was quite a, a sincere and sobering post from McCurdy on, you know, on his Instagram story saying, look, you know, the stick and the the songs and all that are all fine. Well, that is a part of football, you know, booing Harry McCurdy, you know, chanting that he's shit or all this sort of stuff is that's that's a part of football. That is. That it, some players feed off it. Sometimes you know you get that psychological edge, but you know throwing things, going for him at the final whistle, it's just it's just madness. And like you say, when somebody is literally, you know, they're going to be listening on five live in a jail cell. Oh, they get five live, do they? Well, on the on on the old uh, media wave, isn't it for good behaviour? <laughs> so silly, and it's such a shame. And and I know it's not easy to sort of talk about this without sounding sour bitter or flapping i just think it's a it's a a bigger issue and my team have been victims of that but it it doesn't change the fact that we're not going to wembley nothing nothing changes that now and for all the level-headed sensible majority of port bell fans i do wish them luck but um it happens there we go um i've I've actually i've I've changed my mind okay yeah closed doors at wembley steve can go because he very kindly did two pods here um a couple of the other (laughs) panelists can go but the guy who called mccurdy a cretin of a human on his pod i'm sorry mate you have to stay at home (laughs) well you know uh, mccurdy does uh it's a fine line isn't it it's a fine line i mean him on social media you, you can see he's suffering no jokes from him um the last post from him saying i love you all i'm so sorry it's ended um that guy is suffering but man of the match for this game to end the lou reed spreadsheet for a for the season um the listeners it was a close one it was a two horse race between Baudry and ellis iandolo and ellis iandolo won many a fan pointing out that it has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that he missed the penalty he had a very solid 120 minutes. And frankly, Joe, I'm not going to argue against that. No, I'm not going to argue either. I mean, when he had gone down towards the end of the second half and I'm seeing, you know, him being worked on by Alison Willits, I'm seeing like, you know, she's almost like shaking her head, like trying to get a response out of him. I think that's it. He's not only has he done tonight, but thanks for the season Ellis and see you in I don't know see you in November or something like yeah, that yeah when, when he went down I think all the Swindon related sort of WhatsApp groups I belong to were just like oh Ellis you know we all thought that was that was the big injury that we've spent the whole season waiting for haven't we and it's not come so it was great to see him get back on his feet and just such a mature performance from him because it wasn't going his way. 
it wasn't going his way. The, the, the performance of the squad as a whole, it, it just really didn't work for him or Egbo um, for large parts of the game. And he kept going. And, you know, in previous seasons, he just would have been hauled off after 55, 60 minutes. And he kept going. And he, he just put on just such a, a performance of a man that's that's been at this club for so long. And I, I couldn't be prouder of him. Exactly, and the the fact that you know not those surges kept going even after even after being down that long, and you know and he's always you know created a, a decent chance for himself. I was just thinking, well, how did this man get up and do that again? When I thought this wasn't like this wasn't my my dear friend Mr. Johnny Williams, you know, making a meal out of a tackle. He he looked he looked properly down, and he wanted it a double yeah. a double man of the match from listeners and and podders. I think that was the sort of consensus in the in the group chat as well. Um, and low love bomb I'm all for it absolutely shout outs to Jack Payne as well who who did very well Baudry already mentioned Conroy got a few nods yeah it, and that's it that's that's the end of season that's the end of the season for Swindon like I said at the top of the pod we'll, we're not going anywhere we're, we're not taking a break or anything like that so the end of season review we're not going to go game by game on that we'll, we'll talk about the big talking points of the season um, we will do a retained list episode when that when that comes out. Heck, that might be today at time recording. Who knows? But we'll do that, and then we'll go into a summer series. So still plenty of stuff, and we'll dip in and out with whoever's signing, whoever's going across the summer. But there we go. That was twenty one twenty two in terms of our, our match reviews. Forty six games. We did all right, didn't we? Yeah, and even even though it's been it's been a good season and. I was very interested to see towards the end, you know, the uh, the main man, Mr. Morfuni, and the look on his the look on his face suggests to me that um, unlike unlike previous, you know, when we went down in 2017, and you know, we've sort of done cameos in this division and then gone straight back up. There was a sort of feeling when it didn't happen there that you know that sort of lost feeling of like, well, when when will we be able to get back and you know, we just seem to be sort of drifting further and further away. I don't have that that feeling going into this. I'm disappointed, but uh, onwards and upwards we move, but plenty of time to talk about that in the coming weeks. S quo desk. Joe, thank you very much. Thank you. The Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.